In the last 10 years, our field has gone from an unknown specialty to a household name. This brings unprecedented opportunities, but we need to rise up to meet them and give our patients the care that they deserve. In order to help others get better, we need to be better. This podcast will help you to become more confident with your patients, more successful in your practice or business, and a leader in pelvic health. And we're going to have some fun along the way. Join us as we rise together. We're Jesse and Nicole Cozine, founders of Pelvic Sanity Physical Therapy and the creators of the Pelvic PT Huddle. And this is Pelvic PT Rising. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Pelvic PT Rising Podcast with Jesse and Nicole Cozine. Hey Nicole. Hello. I hope you can tell in my voice, guys, I am excited. We get to discuss another cognitive bias. Oh my gosh, Jesse has been talking about this for a long time and I keep going like, no, we just need to do something else. And then he reminded me that you all really wanted to listen to more of these cognitive biases. No, actually what happened is we asked you guys on the podcast, we said, hey, we're going to do something new. We're going to talk about something that's a little bit outside. It's going to relate to pelvic PT. It's going to relate to your personal lives. It's going to basically do everything we want to do, right? It's going to talk about clinical and life and business all in one. We're going to talk about this. And then if you guys like it, please DM Nicole and let us know how it goes. And I thought it was crickets, guys. I was devastated. I had a really rough week. <laughs> this is actually really funny. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, I don't even know why you brought it up. I think it was maybe on another podcast. And you're like, I was like, yeah, you guys didn't really say that you liked it. And Nicole's like, oh, yeah, I've got like 12 DMs that said that they wanted more of it. <laughs> yeah, but see, only 12. There's a lot of people listening to this podcast. When have we gotten 12 DMs on a podcast before? <laughs> no, we get, Yeah. We get a lot of DMs on podcasts, yeah. our documentation podcasts, all kinds of other podcasts. We get way more DMs than 12. Okay, guys. So we're <laughs> going to need more of you, my cognitive bias people out there. If you guys like these topics, please, it's got to be more than 12. There's some arbitrary number in Nicole's head where she's going to be like, hey, we can talk about more of these. DM Jesse on Instagram. Oh, oh, wait. Oh, wait. I don't even think you guys, he knows how to get his DMs. Nicole had to show me how to follow people the other day. Oh, yeah, no joke. He was like, how do I follow this person? I was like, I hear <laughs> like, that's a oh thing on this, this Instagram page. That being as it may, guys, we want to talk today about the negativity bias. Has anybody heard, Nicole, had you heard of the negativity bias before we started talking about this? No, but I do fall victim to the negativity bias sometimes. I actually, this is actually interesting, I fall victim to the negativity bias just by nature way more, I feel like, than you do. I don't really know where that comes from. Are we going to talk about that? Maybe it's because you don't know about the negativity bias. (laughs) Oh, now I do. I did catch myself the other day doing it, and we're going to go into like what it is and stuff like that, and I'll tell you my story in a second. But basically, the negativity bias is just the tendency to overfocus on the negative. And it's really a human survival instinct. You know, this makes a lot of sense. You didn't want the person who was walking around daydreaming with their heads in the clouds, and then a lion comes up and chomp, right? So <laughs> chomp. just chomp, right? Chomp was not good, evolutionarily speaking. So the people who didn't get chomped lived, and those people are usually a little bit more negative. Where they're looking over there and saying, what's that thing in the bush? It's probably a lion's tail. 
maybe it is, maybe it isn't, but you stayed alive a lot longer if you were negative about it. <laughs> yeah, and worried about it, really, right? This And this kind of fits in a little bit to like what our our patients are doing this a lot too, is, is catastrophizing and focusing on the negative and doing all these things because their nervous system is upregulated and is doing that. And it's evolutionarily designed. I think this is the thing that is so interesting to me. We are evolutionarily designed that way because it's a survival mechanism. It has been for millions of years. And now all of a sudden we're living in this modern world, kind of like stress, like a lot of the things. These are all things that we have as inheritance like of our human genetic like growth that are now not serving us really well in the modern day and age when there's almost certainly not a lion behind that bush over there. Oh, right. Oh, yeah. Remember when we saw Robert Zapolsky? Zapolsky, yes. Which is, uh, he wrote this book. It's an awesome book. You guys should read it on, it's called Why Zebras Don't Get Ulcers. And it is all about a little bit of this like innate stress response that used to be a peak and then a very quick valley that is now not as high of a peak, but is continuing to be higher than it would be uh, normally. And uh, it's basically the reason that we have chronic stress in today's environment and why that's such a bad thing for us medically. It's obviously such a terrible thing for our patients. But again, that's something that is another evolutionary byproduct that no longer really serves us, but that we still have to deal with. And that's exactly what negativity bias is. And if you guys want a couple of examples of these, I know it's always easier to talk about these in examples. Think about this. How many times have I told you, Nicole, that you looked nice in something you were wearing or your earrings were really pretty? And the one time you asked me if your jeans make your ass look big and I say <laughs> yes, you are mad for the rest of the week. Yeah. Or I will always remember that time that you said, my ass looks big in jeans. I meant it as a compliment, guys. That's a good kind of big. <laughs> Whole nother conversation here. That's another cognitive bias we're going to have to talk about eventually. But my point is, is that you take the one negative thing outweighs a ton of positive things. And there's actually a lot of research about this in relational studies. That, you know, you can have a bunch of positive interactions, but they can actually be outweighed by a single negative interaction, which is something we're going to talk about in the workplace here. But that's something that's true almost everywhere. And it kind of makes sense, right? If you're on the drive into work as another example, right? And you have three people who let you merge in really nicely and wave at you. And one guy who comes screaming in, cuts you off and gives you the finger. Was that a good morning drive or a bad morning drive? You're yeah. going to be pissed off about the guy who gave you the finger, right? Totally. And this was exactly my my story on my Instagram stories, not just literally the other day when I was having this terrible day, right? I dropped my lunch. I was standing in line at Whole Foods and it was taking forever and this clueless lady was like being a complete idiot. And I was having like a really, I classified that as being having like a really bad day. Now that was literally probably collectively seven minutes out of my day that was not optimal. And it wasn't even that bad. I mean, come on. Right. It was my lunch that she dropped, first of all. So <laughs> Jesse did eat it off the floor. It was not. Pretty much. It was, <laughs> that was bad. It was not great. 
Also, an unrelated story, I've been sick for the last week. But, I mean, that's like only one out of three meals that you threw on the floor. So, <laughs> so I mean, doing pretty good. Doing pretty good. So that is, though, the problem with the negativity bias is that it does. It convinces us that we had a bad day or that we have a bad relationship with somebody or all of my patients think that I'm young or I can't help anybody in this job or Everyone all of those is things. canceling right, right now. So all of those are different examples of the negativity bias at work. And again, that's something that served us well when we were hunters and gatherers, but isn't really something that serves us well now in today's day and age. Another great example of this is just to kind of catch yourselves when you go home and you talk to your significant other, your parents, whoever it is after work, do you usually lead with, oh my gosh, I had the greatest patient today. It was the coolest thing ever. Or is it, I can't believe what Becky did. I can't believe Nicole threw my food on the ground and then made fun of me for eating some of it. <laughs> right? Or you guys, we all have those difficult patients where it's like, man, that guy was like an asshole today. Dude, he was really difficult. He challenged me on this one thing. We're not thinking of the eight other patients that day that are super stoked to be there that one interaction with that one person, probably for five minutes out of the treatment session, ruined our entire day. Right. Or you flared one patient who came in and they were frustrated. And or, you're like, I don't know anything. Right. Right. That's the kind of the catastrophizing. Oh, I can't help anybody. I need all these. I need to take more courses if I'm going to be able to help anybody. Nobody on my schedule is getting better. Or, you know, the one time that your boss pissed you off and now that's something that you're thinking about all day or you got talked to about productivity or cleaning up in the kitchen after yourself, which seems like something you should just do and we shouldn't have to talk to you about. <laughs> True. That might have been a little bit of a personal thing there. But, and as business owners, Nicole always tells the story of the place that she used to work that was super reactive about this kind of thing. That would just run around and evaluations were blue on the schedule. And periodically, there would be just a, a flip out moment of, we need more blue. Actually, the point being, not even periodically, but like quite frequently, actually, it was, we need more blue. We're going to go under if we don't get more blue. And finally, one of the things that we're going to talk a, a little bit about in the rest of this podcast was that I was basically like, uh, is this even true? Can we like go back and like, there is a right answer to this problem. Let's look back and see. Yes. So how do we combat negativity bias? And Nicole hit the first one on the head right there is asking ourselves, is what I'm thinking or saying actually true? And for business owners, sometimes this is where we do need metrics. This is why we keep track of those things. For those in our mentorship program, we actually have a weekly tracking log of the three most important metrics you need to be keeping track of. But this is where you're not saying, oh, I need more evaluations or, oh, everybody is canceling. Well, is that actually true? What is a normal rate of cancellation? Like, how many times do I cancel on my own appointments? How often would I expect people to cancel? And now it's not a big deal that Maria didn't have childcare today and had to cancel, right? So it's asking ourselves, is this true? I always have so many cancellations. Is that actually true? All my patients say something about how young I am. You know, a lot of you guys who are right out of school or just happen to have the good fortune to look young are going to get this too, right? And that feels like everybody. But ask yourself, how many people actually said that to you this week? Two? How many patients did you actually have? Forty? Okay, so like... 5% of your patients 
said you look so young. That's a big difference, guys, than everybody talks about how young I am or everybody has to be thinking about that. Another one, my boss is always writing me about something or always on me about something. That's a great time to step back. Is that true? And if the answer is yes, then, you know, if it's like, how many times did it happen this week? Well, five times. Okay, you might need to find a new boss. <laughs> you might need to find a new place to work. But if that's like, oh, they got mad at me one time for not cleaning up after myself in the kitchen. Huh. Like, that's is a- that fair? Did I clean myself up after myself in the kitchen? Right. That's where we want to go with that is that's our first line of defense against the negativity biases. We're just going to ask ourselves, is that true? The second thing, and this is one of the, I think, just a brilliant idea, and I wish I could remember where I had heard it, but it stuck with me for a long time. But somebody once called the brain like an answer retrieval device, which isn't very catchy, but is so true. Is Your brain will give you an answer to whatever question you ask it. So if we can reframe some of this stuff as more positive, the brain will come up almost magically with a more positive outlook than what we're doing with the negative stuff. And Nicole, you heard a guy named Jocko on Instagram, who I would follow if I knew how, (laughs) talks about this where his first line is always when something negative happens, he thinks to himself, good. And once that happens, the brain automatically fills in a good outcome of that negative event. So it's you're asking it for a positive thought. And I think that can be so powerful with all of that stuff. So where it can turn around and like lead to gratitude, right? So sometimes we have that when we have a little bit of an icky patient on the phone, just from our own experience at the front desk. Oh, man, that person was like really pretty, pretty rude. Persnickety is a good word. Persnickety, right? And sometimes you can just say, good. I am so glad that 98% of our patients are awesome people and that don't give us any of that trouble. And I'm sure that's the same thing for you, Nicole, clinically. Mm-hmm. Totally. When you're thinking about that, can you think of an area where you could be like, oh, good. Oh, person flares. Like, oh my gosh, all my patients are flaring, right? It's like, well, no, how can I put that good? Now we can really figure out what is actually going on. If what I did flared you, then we can work backwards from there and figure out potentially an underlying why to your problem. Right. I I love you talked about this, I think, in an older podcast where you were talking about flares and thinking of them as a chance to actually build more trust with your patient and manage it really well and come through that with a stronger buy-in, a stronger relationship with your patient, more honesty there. Yeah. We need to do another podcast on that. There's a lot we can learn from people that are flaring, just as a sidebar. Yeah. But (laughs) but it's not going to happen if you get into that negative spiral of, oh, I'm not good enough. I flared that person. They're never going to come back. They're never going to trust me again. They're always complaining about what I do to them. That, you know, that can be for sure um, a trap in that negativity bias that we can always like pin that on that patient. And then now we're pissed off that they come back in and we're like thinking about like, oh, I have all these patients that are really just kind of persnickety. I don't like anybody here, right? Now all of a sudden it's like, well, that one negative person is now clouding the rest of your judgment on everybody else. Right. So that's a great way to be thinking about that is to how can we turn that to the positive? How can we ask the brain to bring us back a more positive thought? I had a, just a funny example. I had a client I worked with who was probably 85 when I started working with him and, and ended up passing away at like 95. It was a physician who had developed some interesting technology. And he would always start every conversation with, hey, Jesse, what's good in your young life? 
Oh, how cute. Little Stan. Little Stan. What's good in your young life? And I was like, you know what is so cool about that question is think about how positive that makes immediately, right? He was trying to pull a positive answer out of everybody that he talked to. It wasn't like, how's it going? Have you guys seen how the forecast, it's going to rain because he lived up in the Pacific Northwest. It was always raining, right? It was, hey, what's good in your life? Now, I've never had the courage to actually do that. I feel like that's something you have to you have to be like 85 to like have the credit to just like say whatever the hell you want. But I thought that was such a cool question as opposed to a lot of times I feel like we're almost like trying to draw out a negative response with the way we ask a question sometimes. But hey, what's good in your life, right? So that's the second piece that we can do. So the first thing we ask ourselves, is it true? The second thing we say, how can I reframe this more positively? How can I find the good in some of thing that's going on here? And the third thing is just a bias toward action, because I think one of the problems with the negativity bias is it's very, it makes us feel helpless. It's very disempowering when you're feeling really negative about a lot of stuff. So one of the questions to ask is what is in the span of control with this and what can I do to improve this situation? Sometimes that's if you're having a a personal conflict with your boss, like, well, do they even know that it bothers you when they say a certain word? Or would right. that, that or bother you, or if they're trying to talk to you when you're in the middle of your documentation time, and they quote always do that, then we got to look at is that true? Number one, and then look and see like, am I doing something about that? Does he know that he's always interrupting my documentation time? Right, or and can if we not, schedule some time to talk at a different time about exactly. whatever. Exactly, right? Because you can't be too frustrated with somebody who's doing something that they don't know is irritating you. So you have to give somebody the chance to rectify the situation, to take control of that and figure out what that ends up being. And I mean, to be fair, look, there's not always something within your span of control that you can do. But I mean, your action, your bias toward action can be towards self-care of taking a walk that day at lunch instead of sitting at your desk breathing, mindfulness, whatever it is that kind of helps you press the reset button. It doesn't necessarily have to be immediate action on the problem. If it can be, that's fantastic. But if not, then cool. How do we step back from that and get into self-care? And I know, Nicole, you are just so important on the, the idea that we are, you guys as physical therapists are in the job of taking care of other people. And how you take care of yourselves, how you deal with some of this personal stuff has such a huge impact on that and how well you can do your job as a pelvic PT, as a caregiver. Yeah, man. So I think that, I mean, we all went into this field because we want to help people. And I think the more seasoned a therapist I become, the more I realize that the better person that I can be the better I can help other people. Kind of like put on your own oxygen mask first. We've all heard variations of this in our personal lives, but I do believe it exists in our professional lives as well. And I feel like even pelvic floor physical therapy, when we are entering in intimate conversations and a different part of people's lives than other types of physical therapy, right? It's not like my big toe hurts, my ankle is bothering me today, I can't play tennis, it's, I can't have sex with my husband. I, my burning vagina is not allowing me to wear jeans and I can't deal with life anymore. When we're entering into these really heavy relationships with people, 
we have to work on ourselves first in order for us to be better to help more patients. I really, truly believe that. And I've seen it happen in my own career where as I was getting more unhappy at each part of a job that I was in, I was becoming a not great physical therapist because I couldn't get out of some of this negativity bias situation going on. And and now looking back, I can see that it happened and thank goodness it didn't happen for very long because I was also biasing towards action and wanting to just like change that situation. But I will even take the the last job that I had, right, where we kept saying, I kept being like, man, there's always something going wrong. There's always something that we feel like is a, a problem at this office. So then I take a look. Is that true? And I started to, tr- I started to track stuff and I was like, dang, every single day that I saw my boss, it was like something was wrong. Something was the matter and, or, and I wasn't able to do my job well because she wasn't giving me the tools to do that. So what did I do? I set up a meetings with her. And I was like, Hey, I'm going to need this if we're going to move forward with this situation. And then that didn't work. And so it was like, cool. Well, what's my action? Start my own thing now. Because I couldn't continue to be in this negative spiral that was happening. And I wasn't, I believe, towards the end of that whole rigmarole, I was not the best PT I could be. I was distracted. I was negative, right? Because you're in this negative spiral. You don't feel like you can get out of it. And you're not taking care of people the like we should be taking care of them. And and there's so many things out of our control, but this is one of the things that we need to, like Jesse said, constantly recognize and fight against. It has to be a fight against it because it's so inherent in our in our being. Yes. There's nothing else to say there. I think that was was perfect, Nicole. Talking about how important that is, not just for you and your life and your happiness and your productivity to work, all of that stuff can be impacted so much by all of this. So the negativity bias, just to recognize that exists, the tendency to overfocus on the negative, that this is a evolutionary trait that we need to fight against. The tools that we have to fight against it are asking ourselves, is this true? Having metrics and being able to track stuff if we're a business owner, being able to say good and reframe it and think about ways that we can look for the positive in a not great situation. And then finally is bias toward action and figure out a way that we can positively impact the world around us to positively impact that situation. Find something within your span of control in order to be able to do that. So that is the negativity bias in a nutshell. We do hope that this has been helpful. We do hope that you will reach out more than 12 of you this time uh, to Nicole, <laughs> shoot her a DM, let her know if this has been beneficial. But I really think that this, this is like an untold, talk about pandemics, like there's a pandemic of this kind of thinking leading to burnout and frustration at work and job hopping from place to place, thinking that the grass is green or other places. All of that stuff, I think a lot of it can really be traced back to being unaware of this negativity bias in our lives. Okay, so check out this as well, you guys. And we'll leave you guys with this. If we, as physical therapists, as pelvic PTs, can get better at this in our individual lives, now I want you to think about if we can get great at doing this ourselves and practicing it, because it does take practice, 
How cool is it going to be when we're so good at it, then we can help our patients to see their negativity bias as well. But we can't go around and try to teach this to someone if we're not doing it ourselves. Yes. So guys, let us know what you thought about this episode. And as always, let's keep this conversation going. And let's continue to rise.